You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's everybody doing? Jeff Lloyd here, host of Locked On Browns. Uh, You know, as the good lady says, your team every day. Uh, Guys, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, the Locked On NFL Net feed over there, anything you need from, you know, any of the shows we have here NFL-wise, you've got over 37 shows here on the Locked On NFL Network between fantasy, between draft coverage, and all 32 NFL teams. Uh, anything you need funneled through those accounts. So if you guys are looking for different information here as we get to the playoffs, and you know, just you know, keep your eyes on stuff like that. You know, that you can go that route. This is officially the last regular season show of the 2018, even though it already is 2019. Uh, Happy New Year to all my Browns fans, uh, guys. Uh, unlike years past, where you're going to pack the gear away and you don't want to be caught up in Walmart or the food store, wear your stuff, guys. Wear it loud and stinking proud. All winter long, enjoy it. Enjoy the product you have, and it's only going to grow and get better. Uh, this is our pro football focus edition here. Obviously, this is going to be the last one here. It will not be the last of Mr. John Costco, but it'll be the last one where we're going to discuss the, the Browns at this level after a game. John, uh, first things first, Happy New Year, all that good stuff, my friend. Yes, yes, Happy New Year to you, Jeff. Uh, hope you uh, got some sleep last night. <laughs> yeah. I, I got I got enough, I guess. So, yeah, it was all good. I think I caught a couple of three-hour naps, actually. So one was in 18, and then the next one actually was in 19. So I'm already maybe caught up on sleep for 2019 here so far. Uh, and guys, look, as me and John were talking, look, you get older, you have kids. Guys, New Year's Eve, if, if you still have a blast with it, that's great. Uh, but regardless of what you did the night before, the calendar, when you wake up in the morning, is going to say 2019. So it's going to happen anyway, whether or not you saw that ball drop. Uh, John, we're going to get into this here. I guess we'll go offensive first. And this was an interesting one here because, you know, we had grown with, you know, you know, some of the, most of the time, you know, dominating the grades offensively, you know, it was the offensive line. This week, though, you go one through five and it was the skill position guys. And one thing, and we, when I was talking about this game before we, you know, before we got closer to kickoff on Sunday was, is with this Ravens offense, yeah, it was going to be a pain in the butt. They were going to control the clock. They were going to run a lot of plays. But now that we've reached this point, where we reached the point where Baker Mayfield became so so you know established with being able to create the chunk plays, the vertical plays down the field, it didn't bother you so much that you were going to face somebody like the Ravens. And this is what we saw on Sunday, whether it was Landry, whether it was Perriman, whether it was No Joku. You know, Baker, obviously, you know, with the three interceptions, was not going to give him one of the, you know, obviously, you know, he had scored well up until this point this season very well. It was not going to be one of his better scoring efforts. But, I mean, these were the plays that were able to put them in a position, you know, with a minute and a half to go to have the game on the line with a shot to win. Yeah, I mean, Baker's emergence this year was it's obviously a fantastic thing for the Browns, and his ability to make plays is uh, pretty much everything you want from a quarterback position. And Really, um, what's encouraging about the, his rookie season is that there's so much room for improvement. Um, that was a winnable game that with some uh, better quarterback play would have won it. And it was he was still fantastic, and um, he's able to, to, to spread the ball around. Even with, when making mistakes, uh, he's still good enough to get, to get you back into the game and get you in a position to win it. And obviously moving forward, it's, it's a great thing for the, for the Browns. And um, I think what you've, you saw is, you know, the, all the move, any move that a team makes really doesn't matter all that much unless you have that quarterback position solidified. And, you know, Jarvis Landry, you know, obviously good player, uh, Brashard Perriman, guy that was 
you know, left for dead by the NFL because of his his bus status in Baltimore, and he comes and resurrects his life in, in Cleveland. And and Joku, obviously a great player, but um, his in, his impact isn't truly felt until you got have that quarterback position. So, the, yeah, it's really encouraging season, really encouraging game, just from the perspective that this was the best defense that uh, you know in the NFL, especially in the last you know month of the season. Um, and they they put up the most yards I think if anybody has put up on them and um, yeah it's just Baker's Baker's ability uh, to make plays the grade wasn't great you know it was at a seventies uh, what here I'm pulling it up now it's a seventy two point six really even with the interceptions um, only two of them were considered like turnover worthy play that even that last one that we had. Uh, it was a small downgrade. It, we didn't even give it as a, like a like a minus one or something like that. We gave it a minus point five. And reason why is because it, really it was just a you know when you have a guy rushing in the in the passer like that, he threw it and that's going to be in a good location. But the defensive player made a, like an incredibly fantastic play coming off the blitz to make the to make the interception. You tip their hat. You had to to C.J. Mosley there and, and the Baltimore Ravens for basically making the play at the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, became disengaged extremely quickly. You know, obviously, you know, was able to get a full jump up out of the ball. The only thing there is I would kind of question the, the play calling on those last four plays. Um, you know, maybe you try to get it to a second and seven, or you get it to a third and five. You know, just something simple to at least keep it a manageable situation well, because, you know, fourth and ten always gets tough. Yeah, so, I mean, you think about second and ten. So, first, first and ten, they did a fade ball. I mean, that's, you know... Baker they had to. I mean, they were bringing the sink, so that was pretty much the choice he had. You know, so yeah, so he, he, that was just a good play by the defense. Second and second and ten, this, I think Baker mentioned in his post game press conference after that he's going to be reliving that one for a long time because Jarvis was open on the out route, and that would have put him into like clear into field range. I think it was probably a first down. He left it inside with a uh, minute and ten to go, at least. So still, yeah, yeah, and so that. That that was and so the, you you make that that catch. I mean that's that's probably the biggest play, you know that's for, in terms of offense you know that's where you missed on the most that play right there. Um, the third down play uh, was another broken up pass by uh, the defensive back on and the slant to Njoku. Uh, again, you're bringing they brought the house if Baker is able to see um, you know and this is where Baker needs to improve upon you know you you had. Eric Weddle coming down on a, a late blitz um, to his left. Duke Johnson was go- running out to the flat, and Weddle completely held up Duke Johnson. If he's looking that way and sees that, he's obviously you know a Duke got open, but they're they're also going to call defensive holding because of what Eric Weddle did. So um, you know, you know, missed opportunity there. If, you know if he's a more experienced quarterback will recognize what's going to happen that Weddle's coming down that late. Um, so, you, you you know, missed opportunity there, and obviously what happened on fourth down. But um, that that's the thing. Is like, I also would have preferred a timeout after, you know, before fourth down there just to go, hey, let's get us into, like, we know they're going to be bringing the house. Let's get us into a, a mm-hmm. play, so. Yeah, I mean, plus, I mean, they were still working with a boatload of time, so it wasn't like they were pressed up against it, and the time end would have, timeout would have killed it. I mean, if they got it, they would have had plenty of time to stop the clock and you know move on from there. Um, if you do want to take a positive away from that last, uh, you know, four play sequence, there, guys, if you want something that's going to keep Baker Mayfield motivated for the next nine months, we found it. 
Uh, you know, I mean, if if you you doubting how this kid's wired or, or how he goes about his business, this is what he's going to go through for the next six, seven months of his workouts. He's going to remember this. He's going to take it with him, and that's something. Look, that's something you truly appreciate because, you know, as much as everybody wants to paint this guy, you know, some people do in, in what he is. He's not. He works and he puts in the work. Yeah, you may see him in L.A. at a Laker game. Big deal. He's going to work out, though, during the daytime. It's just the way the guy works. And I hope almost all of them follow him to L.A. somehow, some way. Just keep this thing going because as much as this was fun here in year one, imagine it once they start OTAs together and it's Baker and everybody from that point on. You just got to think there's going to be a lot of growth here. Antonio Callaway, we talked about this after week 16, John. Kind of just was basically not even in the plan whatsoever. But monster effort here this week. And to see him consistently put together you know, some deep receptions in this game. And you almost, you know, and we tease him a little bit about this. Hopefully, you know, if he's a size nine and a half, maybe he's wearing size nine cleats. Great job, you know, with the toe tapping at the sidelines. But a strong game for him to close out the year before he goes into his first offseason as a pro. You know, obviously, fingers crossed that, you know, everything personally works out for him. He can continue to strive that way. But it was fantastic effort on his part. And look, I mean, he's not a big, big dude. But for him, he was, I mean, getting off, uh, you know, whether it was Brandon Carr or some of these other D-backs, he was able to, you know, you know, disengage quickly, get to where he needed to be, and put together a phenomenal effort in his last game of the season here. Yeah, definitely. He um, uh, had a really good game, uh, especially, you know, you look at that fade ball where he um, he got free um, uh, on the sideline there. That was, and then he had a, uh, this, this, the corner route for a big-time throw from Baker on that, that second drive. Um, great, you know, great plays by uh, him. And then, um, you know, he scored a touchdown, and that was against Jimmy Smith. But the one struggles he did have were against Jimmy Smith, and um, where he only caught one pass for one yard on five targets. But and and he also saw where the interception happened. Where, you know, I, I'm nitpicking here, and you, get, you have improvements that you need to make from all these these young players. And Callaway, um, you know, he could have fought back for that ball a little bit, you know, a little bit harder. Uh, so. You know, a physical cornerback like Jimmy Smith um, caused him caused him some fits. You know, a little bit. He's got to become more physical. Um, you know, at the at the point point of attack with uh, with the defensive back. But yeah, I mean, really, you know, that, that fade ball showed a really good release by him. Um, just he was able just to get open, and I think you you've seen that progress throughout the year where he's starting to figure it out and. Um, uh, I think another off season where he finally actually has he's coming into an off season where he's coming off a season where he played football is, is only Always helps <laughs> yeah and, and you know he we know his relationship with Antonio Brown and Antonio Brown and that's that's a great relationship to have I don't care if it's a Pittsburgh Steeler and you know Browns fans might you know, we're not I, for I, long yeah maybe <laughs> not right but um, you know Browns fans obviously we hate hate the Steelers but. You know, if you can find somebody to, to work with to to get better, that's that's a great great mentor to have. So um, hopefully that relationship continues. I think they they had a good one in the off season for sure. So um, and who knows what's going to happen with Antonio Brown? Uh, you know, if you if the Steelers release him, uh, he was he was a Browns fan this weekend. So maybe he maybe he joins the Browns. That would be something. That would yeah, it would be. There's there's no way they're going to release him because they no. there's no way it's going to happen that way. And no. I did think it was funny that George Kittle was kind enough to throw out the uh, this the, what's up text. 
the what's up tweet last late last night, and Antonio Brown did respond. So uh, you know, I'm sure all the San Francisco 49er fans are getting all giddy because you know George George Kittle out here apparently already recruiting for his team. Um, I do want to go one more. David Njoku here. Um, you know, obviously, look, year one it was rough for him. <laughs> there were plenty of reps he should have gotten. But now you look at it this week, and as it's gone on here, straight, strong, strong second half, got himself more acclimated with Baker. 57 out of 59 reps uh, in, in to close out the season here. Uh, more and more, and you know, the blocking was some of the question here, but more and more you're seeing this guy round into what they felt they were drafting, you know, when they took him when they did. But, you know, if Darren Fells only 11 plays, I mean, I understand, you know, they got to the pass and strictly the pass a lot earlier than they expected, but David Ajoku just starting to round into, and look, we know he's a big athletic freak receiving option, but starting to round into what you're looking for in a true number one tight end. Yeah, um, you know, you look at what the Browns receivers have done with Freddie Kitchens. In the first half of the season, uh, across the board, the receiving grades were poor. Um, I think it was just Jarvis Landry that was looking, sitting there with a positive PFF grade. In the second half of the season, you got a lot of greens, and I, I know that from your perspective, what you could do is is look up, you know, on, on when you when you look at this on premium 2.0. So uh, you'd have to go by position, um, you know, by team, and then you'd filter for like receiving grades, and you, I think you can filter the the weeks. But um, I'm using a, our PFF Ultimate tool, which is a little bit, I think, more user friendly that we give out to teams when we we have grades. And I can do that really quickly when I can look at first half, second half splits. You know, everybody's out like in the reds except for Jarvis Landry. Second half of the season, you you have everybody in the greens and David Njoku at the top as the highest graded receiver since week nine at 80.0. And he's seen 24 uh, catches on 37 targets, 338 yards. Uh, Obviously, the two touchdowns, he's gained 14 first downs on those 24 receptions, um, had just one drop. Um, and had eight explosive plays, four, seven missed tackles. So really good numbers from him, and that's what you want to see from from your tight end position. Obviously, um, still room for improvement. You know, he's, he's only a 22-year-old player. Um, and, it's, you know, it, him, you know, I think last year what you saw was an improvement in the second half of the season, and I think this year was an even greater second half improvement um, you know, within this this obviously more receiver friendly offense uh, than what you saw from either Hugh Hugh's offense or Todd Haley's offense, and um, and even if his even his run blocking and, and pass protection is got better in the second half of the season too, so that's a, a big positive in that regard. Yeah, uh, and this week obviously you know, uh, you know levels of green all the way across the board for David Njoku, and like John was saying here, um, normally what we came to see the first half of the season. It was usually Treader, Zeitler, and Batonio as your top-graded offensive players. This week, it was one through six, was Baker Mayfield and all the receivers. That's the way it worked out. I mean, you see where... And look, this is where the points get on the board, guys. It's great that you can run block and this, and but at the end of the day, you got to be able to throw the pill around. And that's something they were able to do as the season went on here. Um, you know, John, as I've said a couple of times, I give Rashard Perriman a lot of credit. That end zone dance... I don't know, man. Maybe I would have stripped naked or something. I would have had something to prove to that Baltimore fan base that, hey, maybe maybe I deserved that one last shot. But he played it a little subdued. I give him credit for that. I didn't I didn't see the, the, the end zone dance. What did he do? Not much, man. Just kind of turned around, raised his arms, spun on the ground. Me, I would have thrown that thing into the inner harbor. I respect it. You know, when I when I was a 
uh, when I was scoring touchdowns back in my high school days, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I always did the Barry Sanders thing where I just I I saw the ref and flipped them the ball. That's all. That's what I did every single time. I never did any celebrating. Um, but and so I respect that. You know, I think that's that shows you know a, a level of professionalism that like hey, you know what I because he know he knows everybody knows he didn't play well in Baltimore. So why is he going to rub it in their faces that, hey, I didn't play well here. I'm now in, in Cleveland and I'm playing well. But, you know, I, I, I respect that. But, yes, second half, like, I, like I'll say, second half of the season, he's the second highest graded receiver on this team with, you know, after Njoku at 78.2. And he continues to just grow in this offense, which, I mean, so when, when Baker was tar- targeted him, his passer rating was 134.3. That's pretty dang good. 17 catches for um, 26 targets, 346 yards, two touchdowns, gained 13 first downs, and had 11 explosive plays. Um, ridiculous, you know, numbers that for a full season and then maybe a full off season with the Browns can really put up some good numbers if you know this progress continues. Now I I don't know if you know obviously he's the t- got the talent there and. Um, if he can continue to play like that, like, I mean, obviously it just speaks volumes for what, you know, you know, what the Browns need going into the off season. And, um, I, you know, I think, I think building that wide receiver depth is needed still, um, just getting more explosive players there, but, uh, they really, he, his emergence this year is, has made it a lot easier in just terms of, you like, you never want to reach for picks in, in a draft or you never want to reach for free agent targets or anything like that where you're overpaying them or you're trading up and giving up picks and stuff like that. Um, and just like, you know, obviously when you don't have that quarterback, it makes it a lot more difficult to see your team trade back into the draft to acquire more picks and all that stuff. But with Baker there and now you got the emergence of Brashad Perriman and this receiving core looking like oh, an NFL receiving core because of <laughs> it really makes the, the whole offseason a lot better just because of like, hey, well, we don't have to reach for this. We don't have to reach for that. There's, we can fill out the holes in, in the roster by just adding quality players instead of reaching for positions of need. So really fantastic by um, this coaching staff to get him – where he is now and, and the credit to him obviously and hopefully the Browns can maybe retain him for the next year or so well and the thing is and you know I, I keep going back Pete Smith keeps bringing this up why leave the golden goose uh it took Bashard Perriman almost four years to find his way in this league and now he's found his way and he's found his way with Absolutely. an insane rookie quarterback so wide receiver like so people you know it's it's hard to play in the NFL it's so difficult it doesn't matter what position. There's some players that come come in there and dominate right away, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. And then, so, like, you look at that 2014 class where everybody, oh, like, there's so many good receivers that are just dominating. And then everybody is looking for the next, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. and all these, these players. And then it, it, what you had, you had 2015, I think there was Amari Cooper yep. who, who merged, and then nobody else, right? And then 2016, nobody else. And then 2017, uh, who anybody I can't I mean like I'm I'm failing to remember the any rookie receivers that really have emerged this year you had Calvin Ridley that, that Mike kind of, Thomas uh, Mike Thomas was your one as a second rounder uh, yes so that sorry yeah Mike Thomas is the one right so like you get usually get one or none 
2014 was an anomaly where you had multiple. So, like, it takes time for these guys to emerge. I've, even Antonio Brown didn't have – I mean, he saw, like, 10 targets his rookie year. You know, so, like, it just takes time for especially receivers to figure it out because it's it's it doesn't matter for speed. Like, look, I mean, Corey Coleman's a good example of this, and he didn't figure it out because – so that he was a guy – I mean, you can't deny the talent, the pure talent that he had. Like, just go watch his film at, at uh, Baylor. Like, he outran people. He he could he won at the catch point. He he was fantastic. I mean, he was an extremely explosive player. Put up big numbers, and so like the tape and the stats all match together. But when it comes to the NFL, you have to know the nuances of route running. You have to have be able to route, run a full route tree. Um, you have to be put in the right position, so you have to be, you know, look you know, compared to like Mike Thomas, who in 2016 went to the New Orleans Saints and was able to give, you know, he he basically ran, a, you know, hitches, slants, go routes, and that's what, what he was doing. But he had a team around him that could allow him to do that, and a quarterback could allow him to do that, and he's evolved and he's become, you know, even better, even though he was great as a rookie. Um, you know, obviously Corey Coleman didn't have any of that, and then you also factor into the fact, you know, his his ego and his his you know lack of work ethic, and then you therefore you have a a, a bust of a first round pick. So it's just it's it's difficult if these guys can't can't you know go through that grind and realize, hey, you know, I have a lot to work on, but it you know that, that's why a lot of these players fail. And uh, credit to him that he's he's still putting in the work to and realizing and be maybe he was humbled and go hey I, i've got to step it up and it's just great so yeah well and the other thing though is, is obviously you know he did deal with some injuries so you know once he got himself to a you know a fact where he was healthy able to put the work in and look it benefited cleveland it benefited him uh hopefully and it seems all parties are interested in keeping this going on uh and if you Bashard Perriman, look you've made a boatload of money thus far so it's not about chasing money but right now as it is you know sustaining your career and getting it to an eight nine year NFL career. Guys, this is the Locked On Browns final pro football focus uh, show here for the 2017 season. I'm assuming 2018 season. We're going through you know the grades here from the uh, you know tough Sunday loss in Baltimore. Today, uh, today's show brought to you by MyBookie.com. Uh, guys, one of the best things about MyBookie.com is I will always tell you if you're going to use a business, make sure they're reputable. They've been in business for years. They have great uh, reviews online. Their mobile site is simple and easy to use. I would only recommend someone, a service to you listeners that's been good to me in the past. MyBookie.com, when I do wager, they are the only one I will use. You win, they pay. It is that simple. They have in-game, live betting, over-under on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. MyBookie.com is always you know, taking on new members. If you register after 7 p.m. Eastern, they will give you a free $25. So go ahead and do that. Create your account after 7 p.m. Eastern time. Get the free $25 with your initial deposit. Promo code locked on 25. Visit MyBookie online today, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. That is MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Guys, it's a nice tool to have. Nice tool to have. It's it, Look, betting the playoffs is a lot more fun. You know, you only got one game at a time, two games on a Saturday, two games on a Sunday. It's a lot easier to get a little bit more in-depth and, you know, uh, you know, place, uh, you know, a smarter, more intelligent wager on each of these games as it goes through uh, this weekend. So go ahead, check out MyBookie.com. John, defensively, uh, and this was one of the things that kind of scared me with this team. Um, when you're facing this Baltimore Ravens, the current way they are running this offense, it cre- cre- requires a ton, a ton of discipline 
and it's just a tough it's tough defense it, uh, defensively it's tough to 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 stop because the you know there's many ball carriers uh, they don't throw it around much you know there's always a, you know uh, even what you're seeing initially there's the, the possibility that Lamar Jackson's going to keep the ball as opposed to handing it off and it kind of gave him fits and it, it kind of shows here when you look at the grades and your top two defensive grades are TJ Carey who's had some ups and downs this year and Ray Ray Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, so it's, for anybody who was curious who fifty two was, that was Ray Ray Armstrong, by the way, guys. Yeah, uh, I didn't even realize he was on the team. Um, you know, so it's like, so the, yeah, defending the Baltimore Ravens is somebody's going to be able to do it, and I think the Browns. I'll tell you right now, I think they're in a bad spot playing the Chargers as close as they are. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, they went in there, did what they and, did to them, and oof. and and the and the Browns figured him out in the second half of this, of this game. And you know, yeah. Philip Rivers has no doubts about going vertical either though. So Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so like so Philip Rivers, I mean, this is here so this is the amazing thing, right? Like no quarterback really had had success against the Ravens this year except for Patrick Mahomes and he had to make some pretty like outstanding throws on, you know, scramble type plays under pressure and Baker Mayfield and Bob and Baker Mayfield did it twice, where he threw for over 300 yards twice, and then in this game, uh, where he had six, I'm telling you, six big time throws against them. So like, you don't obviously you don't usually expect to have six big time throws in a game, but uh, it's pretty spe- that's a pretty special performance when you do that. And the only reason why his his game grade wasn't great was because he kept missing like the simple type throws. Not even just the interceptions, but he just kept missing the the, the you know the 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 out route to Jarvis or this throws that were open and that were there um, that that were be to be made. So he kept getting the small the small downgrades that, that this hurt his grade. But on on the defensive side, I think the Browns actually did figure him out in the second half. You look at what they were doing defensively. Where uh, at first they you know Greg Williams like has this have his, his system where he's got the you know he's got the one wide nine and uh you know he has a stand up end and uh multiple different looks and stuff like that and uh he you know they kept mul- rotating different looks at Lamar and obviously he in gash in a run game in the second half and it more towards the end of the third quarter where they started you know it was what's amazing is that Tony, if you're listening to the broadcast, Tony Romo was talking about like you know I, I grew up in Wisconsin, we, you know there's a lot of teams that played this type of offense, and we had five, you know we we would run a five two, but like you don't ever see a five two in the NFL, and the Browns essentially changed to that shortly after he said that, and they started <laughs> shifting. You know, I mean, they still had the four defense alignment, but they brought they would they would shift right before the snap yep. and screw everything up that, that the you know in terms of their communication for blocking and it and it worked for the most part. And if the Browns are a better tackling team, it probably worked even better. But um, so I think I think moving forward, I think you know you're going to look at what the Chargers are probably going to do something similar to that because it's like hey. They started stopping them with this. As long as we can tackle and, and maintain our gap integrity, we're going to be able to stop them because Lamar is not there as a as a passer yet. And so everything that they do is like you know it's weird that you have to want to stop the pass first in the NFL, but this is the only team that you need to stop the run first and make him pass it because he isn't there yet as a passer. Even though this is is the only, his best game as a passer in this game, but. Um, I mean, he still had wide open guys that he was just missing on um, in, in that game. But 
defensively, the yeah, the Browns because of so many missed tackles. I mean, Demarius Randall, he had came he came to this game as one of the best tacklers in the NFL, and then missed five of them in this game, um, which is you know up until then he had missed a total of seven in in, in the, during the season um last week against cincinnati he missed two it was his first time that he'd missed two more, uh, multiple t- tackles in a game uh this year and then followed it up with obviously this worst worst performance in, of the season um but you know i think you know i think this is you know, it's it's a t- it was a tough performance. Nobody really played all that great. You know, he had T.J. Carey who was great in run defense, um, but uh, uh, really outside of that, it was it was a struggle all around in, until the second half, and uh, they figured it out. But I think it was obviously a little bit too late. And uh, you know, they had you know when you're trying to have a comeback win against that defense, it's it's tough. It's really tough. And I think the defense kind of you know they got some unlucky breaks or whatever, but. Really, essentially, they had a, they they're in position to continue to stop them, and they couldn't they couldn't fully do it. Uh, and then they, you know the Ravens kept putting it just slightly out of reach until the end. Yeah, and I think part of the thing was um, if they were able to stuff it, they stuffed it right at the line of scrimmage. So you either got a one yard loss, you know, no no gain or a loss on the play. But once these guys got into the open field, and you brought up Peppers, I mean, you brought up Randall, but Peppers, Schobert, Jamie Collins, it was no difference for any of these guys. These guys couldn't get initial wrap-ups and tackles, which turned some of these three- and four-yard gains into nine- and ten-yard gains. And, it, you know, it, 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 it didn't get out of hand early, but there was the possibility, you know, I mean, thank God for the fumble, which, you know, that call was just an absolute atrocity on Lamar Jackson, would have changed the game tremendously. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, eventually the Ravens are going to change their offense. They're going to have to. They, you can't continue to, you know, continue to do this. But you see it. It makes it difficult. And like I said, discipline. And when you're preaching discipline, part of it is tackling. And you can't have your main tacklers, whether it's Peppers, whether it's Schobert, whether it's Jamie Collins, leaving this many, le- you know, missed tackles on a field. No, exactly. And um, this is, I think, a big reason why moving in the off moving forward into the offseason the defensive side of the ball is what really needing to get uh, uh targeted because um they've been they've been poor all all season long as tacklers um you know you, Randall had been great about in that regard and really uh, kind of outside of him you know Schobert missed another three tackles in this game and so that's another that's an area that Schobert really needs to get better at and I think it's just maybe him getting stronger um, this off season. And I think, you know, I, I'd like him as a player. I really like him. I think he's going to be a guy that can be, you know, one of the top tier linebackers in the NFL, but he just has to get better at, at tackling. He's always been really solid in coverage. Usually this game was a little bit of a struggle for him too, but in that regard, but um, yeah, I mean, the defensive side of the ball just needs to get better. And I think it's, a lot of it is a scheme thing for me. Um, and I think what you you can see that when it comes to obviously just watching the games and shows up in the grades and stuff like that because there'll be ish times where it's just like um, you know you got nobody nobody getting downgraded on a play but yet they've been just gashed for for a ten yard gain it's, and it's because they essentially the scheme put them in bad positions for the uh, uh, you know for the defense because of what Greg you know the way Greg Williams and well now Blake Williams runs their de- runs their defenses so. Uh, I think moving. I think going into this offseason, I think that's the biggest reason why Greg Williams is probably not going to be the new head coach. Um, you know, the head coach moving forward or whatever. And I think uh, um, 
these guys just they they have to work on their fundamentals of tackling because uh, you can't keep missing tackles like this and expect to be a championship caliber defense. Yeah, and look, you know, I mean, quarterback mobility is not something that's really going away. Uh, look, you know, these older guys, they're, you know, they're, they're soon to be phased out. But even still, I mean, every rookie comes into league and they're capable of doing things with their legs for the first couple of years. You know, and still they start taking the pounding, but it's something you have to work on. And this is why something why we've spoke about, you know, you're going to have to probably preach a little bit more athleticism and tackling ability from your linebacking core. You're going to need a, another defensive tackle. You can't ask Larry Ogunjobi to do this all himself. I mean, even though with one arm, he did try to, um, and God bless Larry for that, but it's, you know, it, it's a very, very difficult process, and you cannot get yourself in a position to be, you know, leaving this and, and, you know, taking, like we said, the, you know, the four and five yard runs, turning them up to 10 and 11. Guys, pro football focus episode here of Locked On Browns with John Costco. Uh, we've gone through all week, uh, 17 games, uh, all 16 games, all 17 weeks here on the regular season with John. Uh, Locked On NFL podcast with Matt Williamson does a great job covering the entire league. Uh, if you stuff you're looking for, as you know, we head on in here the uh, first round of playoff weekend. Matt Williamson will put together a great week of shows. Sage Rosenfels, you'll get Mike Renner, you'll get uh, Mike Sando. Uh, puts together a great lineup week in week out. Friday he'll give you all his picks on the game. So the Matt Williamson Locked On NFL podcast. Go ahead, put that in your rotation as well, guys. John, I do want to thank you for all your time here this year. I do appreciate it. Look, you got kids, I got kids. I'm glad we were able to make it all work here. Uh, now, where, for everybody who listens and follows work, where where does your work shift and focus to now here, obviously, you know, as we get a little bit away from the NFL regular season? Yeah, um, yeah it's definitely been great uh, having this weekly podcast, and I know we should, we're going to have some draft stuff going on. And uh, free agency. We can have John tell us whether or not we overpaid, underpaid, all that good stuff. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, so, yeah, basically moving forward right now, I mean, there's there's a couple of bowl games left. I got one I'm, I'll be working tonight, and then I'll be do, working at the uh, national championship game next week. But um, the the work essentially becomes the NFL playoffs, and then we, we're continually reviewing our college stuff because uh, there's just too many games uh, on a weekly basis to be able to review all of them. So we're trying to get to all of them to, to be able to review. So our draft content stuff is is uh, as accurate as possible um and so that'll happen through january and then basically into february and, and march we're going to be looking at free agent stuff um and draft stuff and uh probably you know then, then i there's a lot of training that goes on so like training new analysts and uh, all that stuff but in terms of um content uh, a lot of it's going to be a lot of it's going to be like draft centric and what we do, I think. So um, there's definitely going to be a lot of that at Pro Football Focus. I don't know how heavily involved I'll be with that. I just I do know that in past off seasons I've I've had at least some uh, part in that. Um, and then we're just constantly, you know, improving the product of, um, you know, the zero to one hundred grades. I think is going to get they're going to get a, a slight tweak in in some regard. I don't know the details about that, but um, I think it's going to, it's going to, there's going to be something there. And then I think, you know, the analytics guys are going to be put, putting out, you know, our war, uh, wins above replacement, EP, you know, expected points added. There's going to be a lot of content about that. So it'd be interesting to see. And, you know, I think, um, you know, kind of changing the subject here a little bit, I think Browns fans can really kind of, uh, regardless of the outcome of the game yesterday, you can be happy about how it happened and 
the process that happened. You know, the Ravens going to this game were our number six ranked team in the NFL, um, and Brown, you know, the Browns basically essentially almost won it and took them to the took them to the brink of, of defeat. And Browns went from in our rankings and our analyst guys have this. You know, if anybody watches uh, or reads up on five thirty eight, the website that um, has the ELO rankings. Um, they were Browns. We have we have a similar type of thing of that, but it incorporates the grades a lot, lot more. We're, they were 32nd at the beginning of the year, obviously, and then 16th now. So they've moved up a full 16 spots, and then um, going into this game, and they're gonna, you know, going into next next off season, they're gonna be, you know, obviously a contender for for playoff positioning. Well, I mean, which they should be, uh, you know, obviously you know, up until week 16, they were, um, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, did just enough. I mean, whatever. So they, you know, they end up finishing eight, seven and one, but obviously, you know, you know, Cleveland couldn't do enough to give them to it. And you want to know what heck earn it, earn it yourselves, earn it yourselves. Um, but even still though, in, in going through and knowing what was going to be that difficult of a task on Sunday, it never really feel, felt like, well, this is over. That's it. It's over. You know, whatever. There's no reason to keep watching. Because when he got six and he got weapons who get him and, and, and nowhere to expect the ball from him and you know and, and even a running back like Nick Chubb, and that's just absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, what a way to lose a 1,000 yards. You just feel terrible for the guy. But, I mean, luckily there was no bonus or guarantee money involved, thank God, for Nick Chubb. Um, but another guy here who has a great reputation as a hard worker, you know he's going to take that and he's going to take it as fuel for next year too himself and, and put it in. But I mean, but like you said, going from 32nd to going to 16th, this team is drafting 17th this year. They went number one back to back two years in a row, and now this year, uh, folks, we're going to be in the hour three before we even get the Browns selection in 2019. Yeah, um, you know, it's 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 amazing to see <laughs> past two years, and you know, there's a lot of what ifs from you know from this uh, uh, season, but you know. Uh, when it comes, when it really, when it comes down to it, um, you know, essentially make it your own, you know, make it your own destiny. If it's a win and in type thing, make it, you know, do that. You know, where the, at least where the Vikings were this year, they had a, you know, if you win, you're in. You don't have to rely on somebody else to lose or anything like that. And I think, um, uh, you know, the Browns obviously have a have the talent, or they have the, at least the quarterback position and and the offensive talent and we'll see what happens with the coaching position and all that but uh definitely have put themselves right into the thick of of afc north contention and playoff contention and potentially even super bowl because you know look at the schedule next year it's it's a lot easier than it was uh this year and then it also just becomes a lot it looks a lot easier just because of the fact that you have the quarterback position solidified so um yeah for draft it's going to be very strange you know sitting around waiting unless they make some type of move, which I don't anticipate uh, John Dorsey doing. But um, this is now – you're now in a position where, like, you know, and, uh, Browns fans in the past obviously hated all the, the trading back that Sashi Brown did. But the process of doing that is, is very good because you think about the, the draft and it's a crapshoot. It really is. So, you know – I think when you take a first-round player, you think, "Oh, we're getting a stud, the stud athlete, the stud player." Well, I mean, it's about a fifty-fifty type deal where half of them are busts. It's just, Browns obviously know that they've they've had plenty of first-round busts throughout the years, uh, and you probably don't, you know, Browns fans don't look at other teams that see these busts. So, like um, that happens, so, you know, ha- 
they're in a position now that they don't they don't have to reach for a player. They can trade back if they want to, and I know that's like a trigger word for a lot of Browns fans, but <laughs> they can just do. They, there's so many options that they can do, and they, there's still a lot of holes on this team that they need. And, and they, you know, going throughout this offseason, we'll we'll talk about those. But um, there's still, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about, and there's still a lot of room for improvement, which is which is great. Yeah, and the one thing I keep saying is, guys, is keep in mind, this is just based off of what your rookie quarterback did. And now these guys will get you know, over a calendar year together. And so much will come just from that. Obviously, you know, inclusions on the roster. But for this offense to go from where it went this last eight weeks to where it can go just from familiar, you know, being more familiar and these guys, you know, running these routes, it almost being able to run them blindfolded and, and have the feel of when the ball is going to be there. You know, and these are things that will come with the extra work these guys are all going to be able to put in together. But, John, it's been a blast. Uh, you know, where the product is, I couldn't be more excited. Still a ton of cap space. Yeah, still a ton of you know free agent money to spend. Still got a bunch of draft picks. Uh, and still got to find a head coach here, John. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do. It's, it's going to be exciting. I, I've had a blast. Obviously, I love talking Browns football and just football in general. So this has been great. Um, finding a new head coach is obviously item number one for the Browns. And... And I had, I gave some thoughts on it last week where I didn't think Greg Williams would be able to, would be the right guy to to build to continue the to, to build the staff as as you know a few people go away and and, and get new jobs like Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens is a guy that you know I think you know, people I, I I love Freddie Kitchens. He he was a very creative, innovative and innovative offensive coordinator this year and and dialed up a lot of nifty stuff. Um, I think. A lot of you know, and as good as he is, there's a lot of coordinators that can dial it up for Baker, and you know, I think and would uh, jump at the chance to, and absolutely, and and so like you, uh, it'd be not, it'd be very nice to keep Freddie Kitchens, but I don't think you know losing him isn't going to be like oh we're, the offense is going to regress and everything. If you if you can just get a head coach, conference coordinator that just know to, knows how to utilize the the talent that you have, like. Freddie Kitchens did like it's it's amazing that like you you get a good coach in there that's finally calling good plays and what the product looks like you know and and, and it's not like Baker was playing bad with in Todd Haley's offense it was more so that the, the pieces around him weren't playing well um, because he was still grading out really well um, but it just was it, the product didn't look as good because the, of the the scheme wasn't putting the players in the positions to you know, to win, like you weren't getting the jet sweeps, uh, so many jet sweeps. It was an un- undisciplined and, and looked poor product. And I think, you know, part of that is like the, the, the relationship that the players had with Hugh Jackson. It definitely, definitely as you, after he got fired, it seemed like it was strained for sure. And, and even though you had former players, uh, former Hall, future hall of famer, former players calling for Hugh Jackson's, you know, his praise and how great of a head coach he is. Um, I think, I think what happens in that locker room um, isn't a universal thing just from based on one guy's, hey, this is what this guy is. So um, even if he's he's good to a couple of guys, it obviously was not a good relationship with what the most important piece on that offense is, and that was Baker Mayfield and, and all that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be it's going to be interesting to see the next 10 days. I don't think we're going to get a quick decision on the coaching you know, higher and everything like that, but we'll see. 
Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, Guys, this has been your Pro Football Focus Week 17 edition here for the last time. But like I said, you know, we'll have John on, you know, during the offseason. You know, we'll do some free agency talk. Obviously, we'll do a bunch of draft talk, uh, things of that nature. Follow all John's work uh, at John Costco underscore three, I do believe is correct. But all the work, uh, him and the guys do over Pro Football Focus, a lot of effort is put in there. And it's it's become, each year it just becomes more and more a staple of the business and, you know, gains more legitimacy each season, year in, year out. Uh, so I do want to thank John here for his time here this season. The Locked On Browns Twitter account, we always keep that follow back, so go ahead and follow back. You know, the Locked On Browns Twitter account, and you got any questions, any answers, whatever, tweet them on over or, you know, DM on over to that account. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, iTunes, rating reviews, uh, like I said, um, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, the Locked On NFL Net account, anything you need uh, NFL-wise will get funneled through uh, both of those accounts, so keep your eyes out for them as well. Guys, this is going to put a cap, uh, you know, Imagine me, a, you know, judge with a gavel. That's it. The 2018 regular season is officially in the books. Um, today is January 1st. We're going to sit down tonight. We're actually already going to start talking head coaches. So we'll get you some stuff out there for that. Um, you know, we're going to talk some of the names that are out. Um, it's just going to carry. I mean, this is probably going to carry us through most of January until we do finally have a head coach named. Uh, you know, there'll be Senior Bowl stuff we'll get into. You know, this year, uh, this month as well here in January. You know, February. You know, all of the stuff here, and then we'll lead up into free agency into combine and eventually the draft and this is pretty much how we'll put an off season together uh we do have some former browns we're going to try to do a spot maybe once a week with some former browns players here uh we've been in touch with some current browns we're going to try to hopefully get one or two guys you know try to get one guy on a week here if we can as long as it plays out that way we've had draft prospects that we spoke to that have already committed to come on and so we get to learn some about these guys as they're going through the draft process just some stuff, you know, different stuff here. Obviously, you know, the off-season focus is going to be a little bit different. We don't have the week-in, week-out schedule like we do normally on game week. So we're going to have a lot of fun with all of this here as, you know, we head on into, you know, late July, you know, getting back to camp with what will be the 2019 Browns and see where this ride takes us going from 7-8-1, and one, you know, with all, you know, all, all lights and flashes, you know, pointing onward and upward for this franchise. Uh, guys, it's been an absolute blast here. Um, for me, obviously, as everybody knows, it's been a little bit of a tough, you know, a little bit of a difficult, you know, personally for me here. But, you know, the show and getting to come in here and just escape everything and, you know, talk ball, you know, talk Browns ball for all you fans. It's just been an absolute blast. I want to thank everybody. Thank my guests such as John and Pete and all the regular guys who have been able to give me their time this year. Uh, we've put together a great product here. We're just going to keep it on going. And I want to thank everybody. And as we always say, when we close it, LGB on the LOB, let's go Browns.